Hey, I'm Sam. I'm part of the team here at Church on Morgan, a community that exists to be a reminder of the beauty of God and of each other. And we're trying something new here today. Our values are honesty, curiosity, and joy. And there's a story that's unfolded right here in our city that really embodies all three of these. It's a story um, rooted in some difficult truths about the inequality embedded in our city. And it's also a story about someone getting curious and asking good questions that led to more questions, that led to better questions. And then it's about having and finding the enthusiasm to sustain difficult work and even compel others to be a part of it. So it's a story that we wanted to elevate and to learn more about. My guest today is Jackie Craig. Jackie is the founder of the Green Share Project, which is a nonprofit here in Raleigh. And Jackie is always the person you call when you're styling your bookshelves or rearranging your home. Uh, she became a person you call when you're staging your home as you prepare it to sell. And the more that she did of that work, she was struck by how often she had to tell people to just get rid of their stuff, right? That's what we hear when we're preparing to sell our homes. And they'd always ask if there was a place where they could donate. And Jackie had done work with uh, folks coming out of the prison system and with populations who are in great need, but realized there weren't really systems in place to connect those people with furnishings or household supplies. And so she started collecting things, started with like a toaster and a lamp. And she borrowed a closet at the church she was part of at the time, Edenton Street. And there were so many people looking to get rid of stuff and so many people in need of stuff that she started to formalize this pipeline and built the Green Share Project to equip and furnish the homes of people moving into secure housing for the first time, whether they were previously incarcerated or experiencing homelessness or have just relocated as an immigrant or refugee family. So often when families impacted by poverty finally establish housing, they don't have the resources to make it feel like a home. And there's research that shows the house is less likely to be abandoned after a year you know, if it's a well-equipped home. And so since they started in 2010, GreenShare has served nearly 9,000 families throughout the Triangle area. Jackie recently stepped down from her position as founder and CEO and transitioned leadership as she steps into a new chapter in her life and allows GreenShare to mature under the gifts of another leader. And I tell you all this because I'm hoping to have a conversation with her about the stuff that doesn't always make the highlight real. Getting to know Jackie has been an inspiration to me personally. And so we get to dig into uh, her story of leadership and identity and facing the hard moments. And, uh, and she's got some great encouragement to offer to those who are building something of their own. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, well, thanks for being here with us today on this weird 70-degree day in January yeah. here in Raleigh. So strange. Yeah. So strange. Um, and for having this conversation, we're excited to hear – I'm excited to hear a bit more of your story. I've so loved getting to know you, and I'm excited to dig in a little deeper. Thank you. Um, I'd love to hear what – like taking us back, what was nine-year-old Jackie like? Ooh. If I had been friends with you in third grade, what would we have gotten up to together? Hmm. 
Well, we would have probably played Barbies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Did you see Barbie, the movie? Oh, yeah. You I love mean, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So disappointing about the. Oh, I mean, we could go on and of, on about this yeah, Oscar snub. Of, yep. Lack of nominations there, but um, big Barbie fan. And in fact, as I <clears throat> as I look back, um, I liked playing with Barbie in her clothes and mm-hmm. all that, um, the design. But mostly, I love making her house. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Out of that makes reusing sense. pieces of little boxes or little. There used to be these um, kind of. You will not even know what this is. <laughs> you probably know what pantyhose are, but there I do, used to be yes. these pantyhose called legs. Okay. And they were, came in an egg, like an Easter egg, but a big one. Okay. And so we used to take those and break, and they, they, they came in half. And then they would be the coolest, most modernist looking chairs for Barbie. <laughs> And so we would make those into chairs, but um, I know. So I, I keep a picture in my office um, and now in my home of um, four-year-old Jackie getting yes. a birthday present. My dad is helping me open it, and it is Barbie furniture. So I have been playing with furniture my whole wow. life. I love that home, uh, home design, yes. decor, yes. and so. Nine-year-old Jackie would have been playing, had you ever to play Barbies. And we would be, you can make your little house, and I was going to make my little house. And uh, all these things we make into furniture. So, I was um, talking to a career coach recently who said when people are stuck midlife trying to figure out what to do with their lives, mm -hmm. she takes them back to when they were kids. And Mm -hmm. there's so many clues Mm -hmm. um, as to who we were becoming and what we love to do most embedded into who we were as kids. Right. Well, I, w- I was an only child, so I didn't have any mm. siblings, and I think I just spent a lot of time playing by myself, and yeah. um, Barbies were my go-to. That's so, awesome. Yeah, especially her home. So, Sure. That yeah. makes sense. So you were always creative. Did you always have a heart for the underdog? Do you remember early experiences of being exposed to inequality and knowing that wasn't mm. right, or was that an awakening that kind of happened later in life? I think it was an awakening consciously to, yeah. to, to, to really acknowledge that. But when I look back, I remember going even with my grandmother um, to do mission projects at church where they were packing boxes of so- darning socks and, and putting in candy bars to send to Vietnam soldiers. Wow. I remember that. I remember going with my mom to um bring clothes to um, a local missionary's house that they were going to mm-hmm. distribute or, um, you know, being a part of school fundraisers or um, ways at church that yeah. both my grandmother and my mother really modeled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to do those things, I think, with my kids as they were growing up. And, yeah. and that's really, I think, what brought me into the community of Raleigh, of seeing the community of Raleigh from that perspective and what the needs were in the community was I wanted my children to have that kind of empathy and understanding. Sure. Um, And I remember being, um, you know, the the room parent um, in one of my daughter's classrooms and um, the teacher saying, you know, it's time to start planning the Christmas party, you know, Mm -hmm. for the kids. And I remember thinking, these kids don't need one more party. For themselves, and how can we turn this around Mm -hmm. and help them um, feel 
something for someone else to yeah. give at this time of year. And um, we ended up partnering with the Governor Moorhead School for the Blind. And mm-hmm. that is when they had um, actually had visually impaired um, children that resided there throughout the state. Mm-hmm. And we went and um, gave them a Christmas party. Wow. And um, their little these little third graders partnered with the third graders and older at the Governor Moorhead School. Wow. And it was a way to get these kids to be able to see something beyond themselves. And then um, that model continued. Um, Then for my next daughter, same thing, when she was in third grade, um, it was the 100th day of school. Do you remember as a kid celebrating, you know, did you bring in 100 Barbie shoes or 100 popsicle sticks or 100 trucks or whatever? And um, a friend of mine, um, another mother in the class, was volunteering with a women's prison ministry locally. And she said, these women, you know, they the only kind of toiletries they have in prison are the is the lye soap that they make in the prison. And it burns their skin and their hair and they don't get shampoo or lotions. And she said, what if the girls collected a hundred toiletries um, to bring to these these women? Wow. And so I was all about that yeah. and um, helped and helped organize that. And then upon the 100th you know, day of school, um, my friend arranged for us with our, these little girls, these little third graders, to bring them to meet um, a group of women that they had just given, you know, yeah. gotten these for. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we, you know, sat in a circle at the little girls, you know, b- Big eyes, um, you know, as big, mine were just as big yes, um, to yes. meet these women who were incarcerated, who just seemed like you and me. They were actually meeting off site at a, at a local church um, where they had a day program where these women were learning skills to transition their lives mm-hmm. upon release. Mm-hmm. It was called Job Start. Hmm. And I remember going around um, the circle and having each person introduce themselves. And one of the women um, of the inmates said, with tears in her eyes, she said, if we had had mothers like you, we probably wouldn't be here. Hmm. And it just really made an impression on me Hmm. that I wanted that for my children and I needed that for me too. And um, I kind of fell in love with that group, and I continued to volunteer with them um, for years after that, um, doing art projects with them because they had no access to art supplies, even crayons, when you're incarcerated. And so through this class, Job Start, where they met outside of the prison, um, I would go in and make greeting cards with them where they would cut words out of magazines and color and things that they could send home to their families. And then that led to, I also did a couple Bible studies with different classes over the years. And I guess all that to say, um, opened my eyes to um, what incarceration looks like, what brings both men and women there. And what happens to them upon release. And over and over again, I would see as these women were released, they had little to no family support and, of course, no financial support when they get out. Literally, you are dropped off. And I remember um, feeling like, well, 
I could help them get get a home together. They need something in the, inside this apartment yeah. where they're going to live. And so I remember I would just mention to a friend, I would say, you know, tell you about the situation and lo and behold, you could produce a toaster out of your house right. or, or you said, or here's a blender or here's some towels or because we all had those things and it was really easy to give yes, if we knew there right. was someone that needed it. Right. So right. I can remember standing in the parking lot of First Presbyterian Church over and over again, giving women things out of my trunk that they would then put in their apartment that seemed so seemingly meaningless to us yeah. that gave them up, but meant everything to them. Right. Um, and, you know, recidivism um, for women coming out of incarceration is really high. You know, as many as close to 70% will be back in two years. And so it's because they lack that kind of community and that kind of support. And so if that just made one little bit of difference, yes. then um, I'm hoping that, that that, you know, that kept them for, you know, in a, in a home yes. and gave them a safer, secure place that would hopefully help them not return Absolutely. as quickly or if at all. It sounds like being in relationship with, Folks in folks impacted by poverty was uh, where you started to do a lot of the deeper work and learning. Were there any assumptions that you made about that population that you had to kind of unlearn? Mm. Sure. Um, the word homelessness. You know, people would say, "Oh, the homeless live in Moore Square." Mm -hmm. um, oh, they. So we're going to go feed them on Sunday or whatever. Yeah. Well, you're feeding people because they're hungry. You're not feeding people because mm -hmm. they don't have a home. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we, you know, you, that means we're feeding the hungry, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and homelessness is so complex. And I think people, we, people in general, it's very hard to understand. And it doesn't just mean you don't have a home, um, but it also means there's probably, you know, generational poverty. There's yes. probably mental health or addiction issues, yes. um, lack of family support, lack of community. Um, so many things are wrapped up yes. in that. And so many of us, and in, in, probably including myself at one point, just thought, oh, they just need a home. Right. And everything is going to be great. Right. They're going to be just like us. Right. 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 And just to learn over the years about, you know, the systemic yeah. um challenges that that either that people face you know when they're dealing with um, incarceration or addiction um, or mental health issues yeah. um, it's it's so so complex yeah. that there isn't a quick fix right so how did you then I mean it must be tempting when you started green share and you start and you're seeing the complexities of all these things that are keeping people trapped in poverty how do you make peace or how did you make peace with this is our part to play mm. we are focusing on furnishing a home that's our contribution or were you ever tempted to try to offer more comprehensive care sure I, it's so easy to do that yeah. and, and for yeah. people to think oh if i only just did this yeah, and then right, if i just right, right. did this right yeah. um but i think especially in the nonprofit world it is so important to really define your mm -hmm. lane and and to do that really well yeah. because no one else is doing that yeah. you know no one else was doing the work of green chair just green chair right. and so while these other things seem very lofty and noble and probably helpful and useful right. to want to venture into let's do what we can do really well yes 
Yes. Because no one else in Raleigh is sitting there thinking about if a child is in a bed at night except us. That's right. At Green Chair and and to the depth that we're thinking of it and the hard work that we're pouring into it. And we need to keep our focus there. Yes. So I imagine um, getting people from a nonprofit space to care about design Mm. or beauty Mm might have been challenging at Mm -hmm. times. One of the things I love about Green Share is the dignity you imbue in the process of Mm. folks are actually able to choose which um, between different sets of furniture that they'd like in their home because you get your designer, you know people have taste and they're drawn to different things. It's not just an eclectic assortment of goods. And so but but that could be inefficient. Some could see that as an inefficient sure. way to serve people who are in dire need. How did you hold on to beauty as a core value? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that um, at the core, we all might appreciate that beauty, but yeah. you're right. Don't always acknowledge it, yeah. right? But if you ask you know, anyone, did, did you get to, as a child, pick out a bedspread that was your favorite thing at one time? Yeah. Did you, in your home now, do you choose the paint color on the wall? Yes, you do all those things because you want to make it your home. Right. Um, and when I, um, I can remember helping uh, a young woman who had been in foster care, her most of her entire life and she came to green chair and had a baby um so she as soon as you turn 18 you are automatically an independent adult and not in our foster care system anymore again little to no support yep have no family and she came in with her little baby and she was so excited to shop and she said you know, I want everything in my home to be pink (laughs) because I never got to even pick my bedspread yeah in any room I ever had. Um, And that means so much to us. You know, God wants us to live in beautiful spaces that feed and nurture us. You know, it sounds silly, but look look at the Garden of Eden. You know, it was a garden, right? I guess it was a really beautiful place, you know? And, um, or even in the Bible, when God describes intricately the details of a temple, you know, and how how that is supposed to look and the order and the dimensions and the, um, the ornament, you know, how, how the, how beautifully it's decorated um, or the ornaments are around um, each piece that is not just functional, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's beautiful. And um, I think that's a real glory to God to, to acknowledge that, that he appreciates beauty and wants beauty for us. Yes. People can say, Oh, well, you know, that couch is better than if if you don't have any couch at all, that's better than nothing. Well, it is, but that's not the dignity of which Hmm. we each deserve. Mm. That's beautifully said. You, you moved between um, you were soliciting contributions and donations from some of the wealthiest people in our Mm -hmm. city and then serving people in great need. What was it like to live Hmm. on that spectrum and to witness both extremes? It was um, a divergence, you know? Um, And I think that my, maybe that's why God picked me to do this job. And I'm not sure that I always knew that. But what I saw over and over in my time um, in doing that at Green Chair was that, you know, I understood, you know, I, I lived in a, in a world, um, you know, of, of affluence, of, yeah. of people that um, lived in homes and they, they were well-equipped and 
they um, made incomes that allowed them to get, you know, new cars and new clothes and go on trips and all the things. Um, and yet, it was pretty easy for me to remember I didn't come from that. Mm. Now, I, I, I spent a lot of years not living in that. And that coupled with what we saw every day, whether, you know, even that in that group of women who have been incarcerated, they didn't look any different than we did. Yeah. As I got to know them, they didn't seem any different. I mean, there before the grace of God go I. Yeah. You know, yeah. there is less difference than we think at, at first sight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up um, in a, a in a community where I had, you know, an, an intact family and extended family and that kind of support and um, a church community, a school community. But there came a point at which um, my father lost his job and it was became very shameful for my parents um, to not be able to... Um, compete yeah. in that community yeah. and it all happened spiral pretty quickly when he lost his job i remember my mom um taking me to the welfare office she said because we're going to go get these things called food stamps that are going to help us buy food and i remember standing i can to this day remember standing in line and remember the the um seemingly um you know, abrupt um, demeanor of the of the people that that were there to that we had to talk to. I remember my mother just feeling very ashamed and embarrassed. And then I remember when we got the food stamps, she said, "We're going to a gro." I'm like, "Why are we at this grocery store, Mom?" Well, we went all the way to the other side of town, where she would know no one and wow. wouldn't ever be seen because this was the community she also grew up in and so there was a lot of shame and embarrassment with that um so to use those food stamps and um you know i think just to watch them my parents navigate that and the hardship that it brought yeah. um and then that continued um for several years my we had to actually leave that community where I had grown up where my grandparents were, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, because my dad had to get another job. Mm -hmm. And this job that he took um, moved us around the country a lot. And we lived in Texas in my middle school years, moved to Colorado for middle school, the rest of middle school and some high school, Augusta, Georgia for a few years of high school. And then right before my senior year of high school, we moved to Indiana. And which is really hard, you know, start yeah. being the new kid in school, timing. your senior year of high school. And so um, just to have that kind of a humbling, you know, yeah. experience, it was really hard as a kid, you know, to navigate that and to be the new kid all the time. And then, um, you know, just to not let that define me, but it, it never left me yeah, either. Totally. You didn't have to work very hard to imagine some of the voices in the heads of these families that you were right. serving or the right. challenges that they were facing. Right. What, how uniquely situated you were then to serve and also to appeal to kind of the, another part of society who you, whose help you would need to serve in the ways that you did. I guess so. I, I, 
I was my my first career um, out of college was in sales, hmm. in corporate sales. Hmm. I worked for a check printing company and hmm. called on banks and yeah. then savings and loans and credit unions, <laughs> and I did really well at that. Huh. And in fact, was able to then transfer um, when my husband and I got married um, to here to North Carolina, and he finished his PhD. And we, okay. um, his first job was here as a professor at NC State. So I transferred with. The company I was working mm-hmm. for, the John Harlan Company, and I was assigned all the major banks in North Carolina, which was a real premier banking state at the time. I was very good at yeah. selling, yeah. and it was a very, um, it was a process. Now, now you probably are like, what are checks? You may not even own checks. <laughs> I have but, a checkbook, um, <laughs> but at the time, it was a presidential level decision in a bank what check printer they used, wow. um, because they made revenue from it, and banks didn't typically make revenue then on their okay. services and products. And so I learned very early on that, you know, how to appeal to a very high level, very, you know, mature, you know, business minded um, decision making. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped carry me, you know, for through with green chair, um, you know, to be able to appeal in that way. And also I had a very strong sense of working in a corporate environment, business environment, um, which also isn't always typical as someone in a nonprofit field. And so that always helped me to think from a more business-minded standpoint. And um, I'd love to talk about your leadership a little bit. You, You started Green Chair 13 years ago. What, is that right? Yes. How how old were were you then? Um, so I was um, almost um, was my late forties. Yeah, I envy someone stepping into a leadership role like that or building something in the second half of life. Mm. I, I I imagine you know yourself a lot more, and you don't get tripped up by your own ego and need to achieve and climb quite as much as in. If you were starting something in your 20s or 30s, is that true? Did that feel true? Like you were starting something with a deeper sense of who you are? I think so in some sense, but yet it was not like, oh, I've never done this before. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> but, you know, how, that's no different than being a mom. Yeah. I've never been a mom before. Yeah. I've never been the PTA president before. I've never been, um, you know, headed a fundraiser before. I'd never, you know, all mm-hmm. everything we do, we we probably, you know, so many of our newest challenges are things we haven't done sure. before. But um, it is that arsenal that we have that I guess that that you pull out and realize that, hmm, maybe I, you know, I can apply those skills to this situation. Yes, and yes. so, um, yes, there was certainly my the you know. My age was probably helpful, but also um, I didn't have a lot to lose, Hmm. right? Hmm. And so we this was all wins, you know. We started it; didn't take any money for us to start this. Yeah, Um, I mean, it it wasn't um, you know a high investment. It was an investment of of my time, Mm -hmm. but um, I wasn't working. Yeah, you know. Outside the home, my kids were getting ready to go off to college. Yep. They would just as soon I not be the PTA president yep. anymore, yep. or be around school, or yep. go on the field trips. And yep. so, I knew it was time for a transition in my life. I've sensed that coming. Mm-hmm. Um, just didn't know um, it was this one. So mm-hmm. it seemed a, a very low risk compared to oh, when I was getting out of college sure. and I took sure. a job in corporate America yep. because I had to pay rent. So well, I wonder how that. F- freed you maybe to make 
potentially healthier decisions for the organization than you might have for mm-hmm. you needing it to also provide for your family and right. you know, all, all of the things right. in early life. Did you, um, you recently left, you recently moved on mm-hmm. to a new chapter um, and transitioned leadership at Green Share. As you reflect back on your time, I'd love to hear what you're most proud of mm-hmm. and maybe what are some things you would have done differently? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what, I'm I'm just most humbled about is just that, you know, that God let me be in the middle of that. It was just really amazing to watch and to see. And I still feel very much a part of it and it will always be a huge part of who I am and what I the things I care about that are closest to my heart. Um but when God, you know, when he calls you out of something, he doesn't always call tell you what he's calling you into, sure. but um, they don't always happen simultaneously. Yeah. So um, it it was while it seemed like I w- I I didn't know it was time to leave. In some ways, mm-hmm. it wasn't something like oh I long had this plan that I was going to step away after thirteen years. But I heard the voice just as strong as the day he yeah. he strongly suggested I start <laughs> this, um, and that was it's time to time to go. And this time I I, I trusted it. And like, okay, all right, maybe, maybe it is. Of course it is. You've got better plans for yeah. me. So um, I, I, I have learned to trust that voice. It's, yeah. it's taken, um, you know, 13 years of, yeah. of being on a field trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I feel like everything at Green Chair was all for me. In so many ways, you know, it taught me how to let go of my kids. It taught me how to better care for my community. It taught me so many things about myself and um, strengths and weaknesses and um, how to depend on him even more. You know, it it um, it helped a lot of people along the way, but it helped me a lot. Mm. So um, so I'm just trusting that he's got reasons why. I needed to to step out, yeah. and I'm already surrounding myself with those reasons in so many ways. I've got um, some beautiful little grand boy babies that mm-hmm. I love so much, and I'm getting to spend more time with. I'm loving um, having Church on Morgan to be back and be part of the that community. Um, I'm I'm diving deep into some artistic pursuits that I haven't had time to do in yeah. so many years. Um, but it's all reminding me that I've been all in for 13 for years sure. at Green Chair, 24-7. And, um, but it was a great time in my life to do that. Yeah. It isn't a yeah. time that my kids needed me. Mm-hmm. They're young adults. They were off to college then careers now married um they don't need me every day you know my my husband has a a busy career um and i had the time to do it and it was really um really a gift um to me to have that um during covid for example i never never stayed home Hmm. um we had 32,000 square feet at Green Share, and we could easily social distance. And it was such a pleasure to be able to have a place to go and a place to be and still have a community to be with in a time when not a lot of people had that. And we were doing such good and important work that um, it really helped feed us during a, a time that was really tough sure. for so many. Yeah. Um, but all that to say... Um, it's it's been a it's been a wonderful ride, and I think it's just showed me that um, you know G- 
God's going to take me on another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. He takes us all on these great field trips of life, yes. and um, yes. He never says, "Okay, that was the one you get, and you're done." Yeah. So I have yeah. all the confidence that there's more, more up ahead. Mm-hmm. Were there any moments? I'm sure there were along the way. Uh, I want to get inside your head a little bit of of um, self doubt or uh, wondering if you were the right person mm-hmm. to do this work. What does your kind of inner critic sound like mm. on your worst days? Oh, sure, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on, on a lot of days. Um, yeah, just it really. Am I am I the one to do this? Yeah. You know, it, it, I have to stop and pinch myself mm-hmm. a lot of times. That um, from the very start of Green Shared, you know, I remember. Here, you know, having that that nudge, hearing that whisper, and thinking, "What do I know, hmm. Lord, about starting a nonprofit?" No, I don't know anything about that. Well, he equipped me. He brought along a great friend and partner, Beth, who was an attorney, and she said, hmm. "Oh, we need to file this paperwork with the Secretary of State. We need to open this bank account and file for this incorporation." And uh, okay, hmm. you know, so. He he surrounded me, you know, with with people that um, were smart, that were talented, um, that um, were well equipped with skills that I didn't always have. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, I had to learn to read a balance sheet. I had to mm-hmm. learn to, <laughs> you know, I had to These learn. Don't come easily to creatives. No, usually. no. Yes. <laughs> um, but I I leaned hard on just some really talented people um, that were on my board. Mm-hmm. Um, that were friends and, and family, and I lived with an economist, for goodness sakes. Yeah. He, I learned an awful lot uh, yeah. from him along the way, too. Um, he was as much a part of the the backbone of, of developing Green Share as I was. And so, um, you know, I think the lesson I learned was that God equips you and truly in ways that that when I had much, much, much self-doubt, well, I can't do that. How would I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I must not be the right person for that. Are you sure? You know, so yeah. over and over again, that's my my deepest sure. Mm-hmm. I, my, I, one of my regrets is I wish I'd have not always, you know, not had that doubt sometimes sure. and um, yeah. been able to always say with confidence that, um, you know, I was up for the challenge. Sure. But, um, but it became... A lot easier to say that as time went on when I just saw the success of the project. Um, And then the challenge, you know, lifelong challenge will always be is just applying that to my personal life, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. It was easy to take that leap of faith for Green Share. Um, But but now let me take take that here at home. Right, 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 right. Oh, so good. Yeah, on the home front, I'd love to talk a bit about what it was like. You said you you stepped into this role um, out of an identity that was wrapped up, you've shared with me, in kind of in your role as a mom. Mm-hmm. That was um, kind of what was your primary purpose during that previous season of life. Right. Um, and so what were some of the stories in your head that you had to set aside to um, to embrace that new adventure? Well, I think it, I, I think especially in my, as I was younger, I, I thought, oh, you, you become this different. Okay. Now I have to become this different person. Mm-hmm. And then you start this new, other new job. Oh, mm-hmm. now I have to become that person. Mm-hmm. And what I see now is that no, 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 no. You're the same person all along with the same skills. It's just, it, it you're, you don't have to transform. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm a people pleaser at heart, a recovering people pleaser. Yeah. It is a daily challenge for me. And, and just to, um, you know, see that I didn't, it didn't have to be, you know, this certain image or this certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's a lifelong lesson, yep. you know, that yep. I continue to learn. But I think that becoming, you know, the the director of Green Share, that that Jackie didn't look very much different, really, than the Jackie who was heading the PTA, mm-hmm. you know, ten years mm-hmm. before, or yeah. the. Jackie that was selling checks for Harlan 10 years before that, because it really brought all my worlds together. Hmm. You know, I, I coordinated volunteers who were my peers, Mm -hmm. other, you know, other 40 some year old moms that were used to volunteering at school. Now they're volunteering at green chair. In fact, some of them came and worked for us and we all were really driven by this purpose and this mission. And so it was those same skills and the same, you know, same way that I coordinated who was going to drive on the field trip was who was going to go deliver beds um, for green chair. So it wasn't that much of a dramatic departure um, as much as I would have thought Hmm. that, that it would have been. So Hmm. I think that's that's sometimes how, you know, you're, you know, you're right where God wants you to be. It's just when all of your experiences come together yeah. in one place. Yeah. Um, You're building skills for a future you might not you know, don't even yet. know. Yeah, you totally. don't even know. Totally. Yeah. You so don't even know. Yeah. A lot of working parents, especially working moms, um, experience kind of this dull, gnawing ache or sense that we're not able to do a hundred percent at work or at mm-hmm. home. Um, I definitely, I, my daughter's only two, but um, I feel that a lot of days and I don't know how much of that pressure, especially as a woman is internal versus kind of mm-hmm. societal, mm-hmm. but what would you, your encouragement mm-hmm. be or what would you say to women who are, find themselves on that tightrope? I, I just told a woman this on Sunday who came up to me after we talked, mm-hmm. and she's like, you know, I just so, I so get this. I so want to do that. And I looked and you know, she's got little, three little kids, mm-hmm. you know, under under five years old. Um, that's really hard. <laughs> yeah. And I told her the same thing that I have just told women over and over during my time um, at Green Chair, um, and that is, that that I think as women, we have these unique opportunities to take advantage of different seasons in our lives. Mm-hmm. I don't know if men don't, but <laughs> I just think like, oh, my husband's a professor. He's always been a professor. He always will be a professor. He's a professor, right? Mm-hmm. That That's what he does. Mm-hmm. But with women, I think we've had, a, we have so many opportunities to reinvent ourselves. You know, I, I had a corporate career. I had a stay-at-home mom career. I have my own um, photography business. Mm-hmm. Um, I did children's portraiture while I was staying home. I mean, so I was staying home, but not staying home. I had, I, I, I yeah. had a chance to start my own business. Um, I worked, um, you know, in some little dabbled with design and some staging and uh, merchandising. And then 
and then here it started a nonprofit. Yeah. Oh, it, and, and it's just you, and you can really seize those opportunities. Yes. We don't have to be just this one thing, yeah. but that season will come. And that's what I told that mama is yeah. your season will come. Mm-hmm. Sam, your season yeah. will come when yeah. you have time to give back and yeah. you have time yeah. to do other things. But yeah. right now, this is where you're called to be mm-hmm. and just embrace it yeah. and know that it's not a forever thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I um, not long ago, um, a couple about a year or so ago, I ran into a woman in a in a fabric store, and um, and she said, you know, are you are you Jackie from Green Chair? And yes, yes. And she said, you know, she said you may not remember me, but I came in and and donated some things, and um, you started talking to me about um, about seasons in my life because she said my husband had just left me and I was having to donate our furniture because I was having to downsize by myself and she said that you said that that I would you know go through these seasons and the season the the season will come that I I can I will flourish and I can do these things and I thought you know did I did I say that okay yeah and she said I keep a newspaper article on my refrigerator that was it was the first newspaper article that was ever written about green chair and um it was back like 13 years ago and she said I keep that on there because that has inspired me and she said when I finally had the courage to go um, back to work because I had to support myself she said I I went and took a class about um, becoming like a it's like a medical transcriber or something Hmm. and she said I stood up in the middle of that class and I I got up and I remembered your words and I thought this is not what I'm called to do. And she left and she said, I went, she said, I went and enrolled at, um, at Wake Tech to study interior design. And now she just graduated. Wow. In that. And she said, you inspired me to pursue what I love and oh, cool. in, in, in a different season. And I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure God did all that, yes, but yes. Um, what a privilege to hear that yeah. story. And yeah. I um, have just never quit saying that to other women, particularly you, Young mamas, you know, you are doing what you need to be doing yeah, right now. Yeah. You know, that's just treasure that time and know that it's not wasted. Mm, you know, just rest so in good. it and know that we've got so many other seasons in, in our yeah. lives that, and God will use them in big yeah. ways yeah. at the right time. Yeah. And kind of making peace with this season might feel like 75% here and 75% there and a little bit split. You know, you mentioned (laughs) your husband who's been a professor, always been a professor, always will be a professor. I wonder if, I mean, the amount of options that women have now compared to even my mom's generation, which which you're a part, is astounding. Like, it's really not that long of a time that women have been making different choices where, and I'd love, actually love to see more opportunities and more choices elevated and available for men to make. But I, I wonder if, still living in a time where we see women making so many different choices mm-hmm. about being at home, working, combination right. of the two, um, makes it easier to trick yourself into worrying you're making the wrong choice. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're, li- you're living mm-hmm. alongside of, you're kind of in this constant game mm-hmm. of comparison. Mm-hmm. What if, what if, what if? And so your encouragement to, to just accept the season that you're in and, and give your all to it, whatever choice you've made, and to stay tuned to that voice that might at some mm. point call you into a different mm-hmm. choice mm-hmm. Um, really lands. I, um, I I was reading the Fuller, Fuller Seminary out in California. They did a um, – I was thinking about you and calling, and they did a study on people who've – 
um, made enormous contributions either to the church. They, they studied some biblical figures and also kind of saints and activists throughout the ages mm-hmm. to see, is there was there a pattern to these stories? Mm. Um, was there kind of a framework mm. or where do these things line up? And they discovered there really was. And it's a fascinating pattern, which we don't have time to get into. But one of the things that came up in every single story they looked at was there was a time when someone who felt called to something really specific hit a wall. Sometimes there were two or three times where they hit a kind of a dark night of the soul, a wall where everything kind of fell into question, where God Mm. felt really absent Mm. or the work started to feel overwhelming, Mm. um, uninteresting. Uh, And I'm curious, in your time at Green Chair in the 13 years you were there, did you hit any walls? And what Mm. were those like? Mm. I think there were, I mean, sure, there were momentary challenges, right, Um, that you're dealing with in any any business. Um, But I do feel like overall, my time at Green Share, it was easy, Hmm. and it just felt easy. And I feel like when you're in the zone, you know, with God, it it did feel, it's almost sometimes it felt too easy. Hmm. I mean, only to the human mind, right? But that's how he, that's how he wants it, right? But what what felt hardest to me was um, in these past couple years coming out of COVID. Those mm-hmm. were really hard times, and because I felt like we were re- having to reinvent all over again, mm-hmm. and and I was tired. Yeah, and it was I was tired. Yeah, and we put everything into reinventing for COVID. Yep. yep, and then the reinventing about coming out of COVID was pretty hard. Yeah. And to me, that was a sign. I remember it very clearly just thinking, well, that's, God doesn't, you know, doesn't want us to be hard. He doesn't want this to be this challenging. And I think for me, it just kind of got my attention. And I honestly had just never, had not put a serious thought into when I was ever going to depart. Green chair, obviously, Mm -hmm. I was going to depart at some time. But I also just came to the realization that, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to not do well there. Sure. It wasn't fair to Green Chair, sure. and um, so I think the the culmination of that really made me pay attention to um, this little whispering voice about, well, maybe it's time. And it's not because I, I don't think I was doing a bad job, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, it was a culmination of, of yeah, this is very challenging. Hmm. I got a really strong pull to be at home now because I really, really, really like these little boys <laughs> that are in my life right now. And I wanted that free time. Yeah. And I probably could have figured out a way to get more free time, but that just wasn't who I'm an all in yeah. kind of person. Yeah. And so I all those things just kind of came to a head for me. And I think God's really good about when he when he calls us, he he knows that we need some justification. He doesn't always lay out the roadmap right in front of us. He never does, no, right? At the, right? And says, here's right. exactly what it's going to no. look like. So I think he does give, you know, give these little hmm. um, gifts along the way to say, you know what, if you do this, you're going to get to do, you know, going to get to spend more time with those yeah. boys. You're going to have less stress in your yeah. life. You can take the time to exercise and help keep your back uh, from from hurting, or you, you're going to have more time to travel. You're going to have more time to spend with family. Yeah. It's like, oh, these little nuggets, I felt like he was dropping like, okay. Mm-hmm. So um, it wasn't like, oh, I'm approaching 
you know, retirement age yeah, yeah. and let's retire. It was more about, I feel like he was just saying it's, it's time, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I've got, I, and, and I have no doubt because I know it was his timing yeah. that green share is going to be great and go on for a long time. It belongs to this community. Yeah. It's got great leadership at the helm. Um, there's a great vision there of, of how they serve and what they serve and, um, that no one else in this community does. So I have total confidence in that. And I'm just working to have as much confidence in, you yes. know, that he's called me to do the next thing. Yes. And, and you know, part of my, you know, people-pleasing weakness is, is worrying, well, what are people going to think? I'm right. not, I'm not old enough to retire. Right. Right. I'm, Okay, that I need to let go of that in a, in a hot minute, you know. And just yeah. the word makes you sound yeah. like you're <laughs> insignificant and totally. and old and not relevant anymore. Totally. And, I, and so I've just had to really trust that. Okay, God, I, I know that's not true, and you've got big plans for me, and I'm yeah. I'm here and ready to hear them. It's so hard to end well, and for yeah. you, it sounds like the wall was kind of the the clue, the nudge mm-hmm. that the end actually might be closer than you maybe thought, mm-hmm. and. Um, we have so many examples of leaders who just hang on too long. Mm-hmm. And I think you built something that that is it's healthy for it to be under different seasons of mm-hmm. leadership and it's it's stable enough now yes. to, to survive that and not be all wrapped up in the founder, which yes. is a hard place to get an organization to. Yes. I'm curious what, you know, in your own self-awareness and assessment of your own leadership gifts and weaknesses, um, what do you think will flourish under someone else's leadership? Mm. What do you think is healthy for the organization about mm-hmm. someone else taking that? Mm. Well, I think for a long time, because GreenShare was so unique and there wasn't a thing, it became, yeah. well, that's Jackie's project. Yep. You know, Jackie and Beth started that. That's, you know, Jackie's there. Let's go see Jackie. I'm going to give this to Jackie. You know, yeah. it, was, it was, I'm honored to, you know, have had that kind of recognition for the work. Yeah. You know, yep. and um, I mean that was that was never hard for me to see that this this you might think it's about me and yay I and and fortunately I you know I can I could get up and ask for money mm-hmm. I can give the interviews I can um, you know help with the promotion of Green Share but it really wasn't about me mm-hmm. but it God used me in yeah. that yeah. to to get the attention that for Green Share. So sure. I think that, you know, untangling, you know, Jackie from Green Chair yeah. um, takes a minute. Yeah. And and I tried to work on that as much as I could over, you know, these past few years. Yeah. But, you know, part of some people will, will still remember me, with, you know, for Green Chair. But I think that another having other leadership will help Green Chair you know, regain the spotlight yep. for the, you know, the star that it is yeah. and, uh, and, and become, you know, it, it will be personified um, differently than if I'm there and it's yep. Jackie's project. Yep. And I'm really good with that. And I'm happy for that, mm-hmm. um, that it's had the recognition and it has had the success that, that it can stand alone now. Yeah. Gosh. What has it been like to not have control over anything over there? Oh, anymore? it's great. It's you great. love it. Yeah, it's great. That's yeah, so good. It's so great. I, I, I realize that. It, yeah, it's it's it feels like a, a burden is lifted from the day to day. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's a very complex business, and um, there's a lot to, lot to manage. And I, I, it, you know, I've 
no qualms about letting that piece go and sure. and um, managing um, what days you know I'm going to play with Beal or yes, Joe, yes. Um, my grandsons. You oh, know, I, so, so I feel like I've traded that, and that I'm really good with that. Mm. Yeah. Really good. So good. You know, Jackie, there's a lot of folks in our community who have great ideas about Mm -hmm. how to serve our city or use their gifts. Um, But an idea is really different from a multi-million dollar organization Mm -hmm. with a 32,000 square foot facility Mm -hmm. and a staff of 25. Mm -hmm. I mean, what you built is tremendous. What would you say to someone who's trying to scale doing good? Mm -hmm. What wisdom would you offer? Well, I think that's a really uh, insightful question that you asked because a lot of people over the years have said, so I have this idea, right, for a nonprofit. Well, the very first thing that I always said was, is anybody else doing that? Mm-hmm. If they are, go up alongside of them mm. and support them. Yes. Because let me tell you, this is some hard yeah. work. Yeah. Okay. But you can put all that energy into just supporting an existing idea yes. or organization or effort that's already out there in the community. Um, so if there's any way to do it without starting yes. over, try it. Totally. Try it that way. Look really, really hard. And we did that with Green Share. We were like, well, let's just find where people can get furniture that it can go right in the hands of the people that use it. And we looked and we looked. We couldn't find it. There, there wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. There were thrift stores where you could buy it, but there wasn't anything like this. Yeah. So look really hard. Don't don't try to reinvent. Mm-hmm. Um, try to come up alongside and support. And that may be your calling to supporting some existing work in the community that's already there. But if you still have that idea and it's still lingering, um, you know, seek advice from others that are in that field or, or doing that work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the best thing to do. When when we started GreenShare, we went and talked to other nonprofits. And I remember going to the director of Step Up Ministries who helped people with the job and life skills transitions and asking, do you ever have a need for furniture from people? And he's like, oh, my gosh, when can you get started? Yes, we need it all the time. So go get that affirmation, you know, from the from that community um, of what, you know, what your work would entail. Mm, It's really wise. Yeah, we're not all called to begin things. Mm -mm. Um, And some of the great, I mean, some of the people who came into your story were the people who championed you and came alongside you and supported the vision that you had had. That's right. You know, it's one of the deepest spiritual truths, I think, that um, our liberations all bound up in each other, Mm. right? That, um, we're one big human family. And so some might look at your story and say, wow, what a what a hero Jackie was. Mm-hmm. What she played such a material role, important role in helping so many families kind of find their footing. But I'd love in closing just to hear in what ways you were saved mm-hmm. by doing this work. Mm-hmm. Yes. It like I said, I, I feel like sometimes Green Share was just there for me. And it was just God's way of saving me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really hard for me to let go of my kids, um, you know, in those teenage years. Um, and I just knew that he he knew what I needed and needed me to to let go of them. And, and the way for me was to have something else to distract me, basically, and <laughs> yeah. keep me busy. Yeah. And, and boy, did it keep me busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just saved me in, in so many ways. It, um, 
gave me just a, a place to to pour my energy, to pour um, not you know not forgetting about this family that I had, but certainly um, to leave them alone a little bit and um, to be able to focus and pour my energy into something that was really, really worthwhile mm -hmm. and so rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, at a time in life when I think a lot of um, people, a lot of parents struggle is, wow, I've had this identity for 18 years as, as somebody's parent. Yeah. Um, and now what? And yeah. I think that those, um, those teen years um, can be really hard to let go. And there's no little book that you pick up, like how to parent my 18-year-old that's really, you know, that yeah. that teaches us um, exactly how to do it. So for me, that, that really just saved me at a time when I needed it so badly. Mm. Mm, so good. Well, I know there's a lot of days, I bet there were, and we don't get to see all of them. We never will. But when the pain and brokenness and ugliness um, of our world probably felt louder than the hope or the possibility. Um, and I'm just so grateful that you let wonder win mm, and mm. let the let beauty be the thing that kept pulling you forward, the mm. beauty of God, the promise and possibility. Um, so thank you for making our city more beautiful mm. through a lot of scrappy, gritty moments that no one will ever see. Mm. And uh, I'd love to close, you know, we just, I think we're a people hungry for experiences that move us to awe and wonder. It's experience I had touring Green Chair. The first time I heard about what you did, it was moved to a sense of wonder and astonishment. Um, and we don't have like, this is our first podcast here at Church on Morgan mm -hmm. in this style. So we don't have like a closing question yet um, that we ask every guest, but I want to try this one on. Mm -hmm. uh, what? What never fails to move you to wonder or delight? Mm. God's ability to transform. It mm -hmm. just, it, there is nothing more more powerful and more meaningful and than to get to have a, a courtside seat to watch that happen, mm -hmm. whether it's in you know our own lives or watching it in other lives, how God can just... Um, he can just touch our hearts and, and mm -hmm. transform us like no other. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just to get to witness that in so many ways, whether it's when you speak to someone after you spoke after you've mm -hmm. preached on Sunday, mm -hmm. who's come up to you and mm -hmm. said, maybe that's something that you you said you said or touched them, or that they heard, or that this church did, or um, that. You know, like I said, to get to watch what Green Chair did, you know, to the to watch. Um, I, I, there was a, a, a mama once that we interviewed who'd had 11 pregnant with their 11th child. And she said that Green Chair had given her a table and chairs. And in all the years of her growing up and all the years of those 11 children growing up, They've never had a table and chairs. And now she was going to have a table and chairs for them to be able to sit around and eat for dinner. Now, that's some transformation for that family. Yeah. That's generational change. Absolutely. You know, for that, those children also to get to sleep in a bed for the first time in their lives. Mm -hmm. that, that's, I have to believe that that's transforming their lives in big ways. Yes. And uh, God can do that with the seemingly smallest things. And I, I know He's done it, done it for me. Um, 
we always say at, at Green Share, there's there's just n- never a bad day at Green Share, no matter what happens, mm-hmm. no matter you know what what any conflict, any challenges, those all just melt away mm-hmm. when you know that the work you did put a child in a bed. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know. And so um, because that's God at work, you know, that's, that's God transforming someone's lives. And the fact that we get to be in the middle of it is the biggest high there is. Golly. I'm so struck, Jackie, by your humility and the way you position yourself in the story of Green Chair is just getting to be a part of it, getting to watch it unfold. Mm. It's a, a reminder that th- this is the direction the Spirit's already moving and so much of our own work is just getting out of the way mm. and allowing ourselves to to join the way the river's flowing. Yes. So thank you for being an example of that oh. and for joining us. And thank you for listening and being part of this first experiment. And may something astonish you today. <laughs>